Hello, everyone. It's time to play a game. Uh, hello, this is Guillermo del Toro, and you're listening to Out Now Podcast. Hello. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately not here because he just can't handle some aspects of spooky season. But this is a film podcast where we normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks, the solo completely different. And this is something that's not entirely different because it is, as I mentioned, spooky season. Uh, it's October. Now it is, even though this year, if it's September, it's Saw. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, Saw X is the name of the game this time around. And somehow my guest and I, we, we've we stumbled into talking about every subsequent release of new Saw movies because they keep seeming to come back. And this one was even more of a success than the, the past two so far. So this is probably going to keep happening at the rate that we're going here. Uh, but yes, joining me to discuss Saw X today, we have from Cal State Fullerton, it is Professor Mike Dillon. Hello, Aaron. <laughs> may, I say, may I say, just as you've alluded to it, yeah. what a pleasure Uh what a pleasure it is to have developed this little tradition with you. It is fun. I like that we've kind I mean, of stumbled into third this. anniversary, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that these have been getting progressively better. Yes. Is that fair? I, I don't know about progressively, but this one is pretty solid. I mean, I think Spiral is better than Jigsaw. Yeah. Um... I'd put them on equal footing. They're both lower tier Saw movies. Really bad, yeah. And, and granted, you like this franchise far more than I do. Like, I think there's, I think there's now three solid entries in this, in this series, even though I have a, a strange devotion to their continuity and following along with them. Uh, but we're going to get to all that. We're going to talk all about Saw X. Mike, I am glad that you're here. And yes, I am glad that we can continue this tradition of talking about new Saw movies after the franchise peaked so long ago. And then they're like, what if we kept trying? But this time around, as I said, uh, 18 million, it's opening weekend. Not bad. These movies are relatively inexpensive. It's like 30 overall worldwide, Think I think, so far. So I, I presume we'll see Saw X1 uh, soon enough. If only. Hey, I was prepared. I was prepared to be disappointed and to hmm. call Saw X or to pronounce it socks. Yeah. This movie socks. Mm -hmm. But I'm quite pleased to have to abandon that pun because the film is, is pretty good. Yeah, I, well, I guess we have spiral. I, we have spiral to thank for being such a clunker that they decided they realized. I mean, they 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 needed to course correct. They closed the book of Saw. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when they had that subtitle? They're like, what's the book of Saw? There's a book. That's such an interesting way to go about the titling of this. Um well yeah, well let's let's get into it. Let's let's get let's do it. Let's get into Saw X. The cancer is still spreading. I'm afraid there's nothing else we can do. There is one person who might be able to help. Our program is a two-pronged treatment outside Mexico City. The results have been stunning. She saved my life. You're in very good hands with us. After that, what happens then? Your whole life happens then. John Kramer. According to these scans, the tumor was never removed. How much time do I have? 
months at best. I still have a lot of work that needs to be done. You all pretended to cure me, but what I have planned for each of you is very real. That should have been some of the trailer for Saw X. This film takes place in between the events of Saw and Saw 2. It follows a sick and desperate John Kramer who travels to Mexico for a risky and experimental medical procedure in hopes of a miracle cure for his cancer, only to discover that the entire operation is a scam to defraud the most vulnerable, and now he sets his sights on enacting revenge in the form of his patented games. Mike, we left the final chapter of Saw years ago, but then they opened they opened the book once again for Jigsaw, which I believe was a prequel sequel, if I'm not mistaken. It's a sequel. No, it's a prequel masquerading as a sequel. Right, yeah. Like it didn't it, it from the outset we didn't know it was a prequel until we got into the movie. And or, or rather, or rather, there's two time. We think we're watching, yeah, we think we're watching in in you know old school saw fashion. We think we're mm-hmm. watching a series of events that are concurrent with each other. But they, if I recall, they yeah. end up being two separate timelines. One being prequel, one being sequel. Exactly. Which, yeah. Exactly. Which that doesn't sort of make your head spin. Yeah. And well, it, it it didn't matter at all because we ditched that and we went to spiral because Chris Rock had an idea at a wedding he shared with somebody from Lionsgate. And so they made that movie. Yeah. You sound like you're joking, but you're not. That's exactly what happened. And so they made that. They made spiral from the book of Saw, which had only the most tangential of connections to the actual Saw movies, which was like, hey, there was a guy named John Kramer once. Right. All right. Whatever. And here's traps. Um, and that failed. Um, and so now we're back to the basics as far as Tobin Bell's here for a lot of the movie, like every scene, I think, uh, Shawnee Smith is back and, uh, we're back to more conventional jigsaw has games and he's going to test some people in their might. Uh, so w- with all of that said, Mike, what did you think of saw X? I really liked it. I like that they've abandoned some of the narrative gimmicks that have become kind of routine and cliche. So there's no timeline manipulations other than other than like sandwiching the film between one and two sure um uh there's no secret apprentice reveals um there like you said there's a much deeper focus on the jigsaw character on kramer uh we get him more than uh than we've had in any other film if if i'm not mistaken and just the whole thing felt fresh to me maybe even a tad subversive um yeah the biggest compliment i can offer this film is that it made me newly excited for whatever directions they're taking with this, because um, the previous films have had really diminishing returns and like they've just been narratively spinning their wheels a bit and adding new information to the lore without actually adding new, any new substance, you know? And so all we've been left with for the past several films is whether or not the traps are good. Mm-hmm. Are, the, are there good set pieces, even if the story isn't giving us anything new to chew on? And in that regard, the last two films that we've discussed have been pretty bland. I don't, I don't yeah. think if you rank the best and most iconic traps from the entire series, they ain't coming from Jigsaw or from Spiral. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember what they are. There's um, a laser one, I think, in Jigsaw. There's... It, it ends with the laser one. There's like a weird spiral funnel one in one of them anyway there's, a, there's like a like a like a like a corn mill or whatever right that like that fills up with, with the corn stuff yeah there's a witness there's yeah a, there's, there's they, a, they pull a witness uh, in jigsaw <laughs> exactly yeah. I mean, no no whether the traps in x are memorable that's something we can get into but mm-hmm. this one introduced 
narrative and thematic elements that made the whole thing feel like they really started from a blank page and reimagined this in some ways almost as a psychological thriller. And uh, I thought it really worked. And as a long time, as you say, as a someone with a long relationship with this series, I felt pretty rewarded. Right. Um, I largely agree with you. Uh, as I've already alluded to, I am more of an admirer of this franchise and the fact that it's able to sustain itself for so long, uh, as opposed to one that feels all, you know, as opposed to one that just generally likes these movies. I, I was never a fan of the first Saw, which I rewatched. It's the only movie I rewatched for this. I rewatched the first Saw again, and I still have the, of the same mind. I appreciate a lot of what it's doing. I find it to be creative for the minimal, minimal stuff that it had that James Wan and Lee Wano had to work with, uh, including um, acting talent. Uh, but the the film itself is like, yeah, whatever. Uh, and then it followed suit with most of the sequels. I do think three and six, in my eyes, have always been the most successful as far as delivering both on the, tra the trap level and on terms of like story. I just appreciated what it was going for. But like in terms of like all the the machinations to make the plot continuity align in crazy ways and the various things. Yeah. You mentioned secret apprentices and what have you like that stuff to be is largely goofy. It's nothing that's made me ever like hate any of these movies. Although saw 3d is pretty terrible, but the, for the most part. Yeah. I like, I find these movies to be like, okay, they exist. I'm happy to keep watching them. Even if I'm not like over the moon about any of them, but here we are with saw X and yeah, I also I agree. It's pretty good, um, good in a way, good in the ways you've stated. I appreciated the. There's a lot of character focus here that I thought worked through as well as it needed to. Uh, I I do think the the horror of it all, which revolves around the traps and their gore and what have you, I think that the setups and what they're doing, I think, are effective. And yes, I find. If you want to talk about subversion, which we'll get into more, I'm sure, I appreciated the way it was able to kind of <laughs> remove certain thoughts from what the audience expects in order to make the structure of this film work. We'll get into this more, but like I, you have to shift sympathies around in ways that could feel compromising where things not handled certain ways, and it's like okay, like I. <laughs> I, I can appreciate how it's trying to do this and make it still, you know, this vicious saw movie. So like it, it's operating on a lot of levels that I appreciate. It is removing aspects that yes, tend to make this franchise a little bit more goofier. Um, and yeah, like I, I just thought it was a, a solid entry in this franchise and among the best, uh, honestly, in my eyes, as far as what I'm looking for to get out of this movie and, what generally trips me up over these films, I would say, yes, this is like right towards the top as far as what these films can deliver. Well, this is a, a better X sequel to Saw than Fast X is vis-a-vis -vis the, the Fast franchise. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this about that. I like Saw X and Fast X more than the past two films in both franchises, so it has that going for me. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, well, just, just really quick, I it's interesting that you... Um, kind of lay out your your sense of the the, the bigger picture right where the series mm -hmm. is because the kind of um narrative doubling back on itself mm -hmm. and each subsequent film kind of plugs gaps in the timeline and and gives you new information that forces you to reconsider what the what your understanding of the events of the previous films were that's the stuff i like most 
in the Saw films. It's it's not always successful. Some of the some of the gimmicks are a little too clever by half, but um, in general, I think that is what makes Saw kind of unique among horror franchises. You know, your Freddy's, your Jasons, a, a lot of these, the sequels tend to resemble remakes more than progressing the narrative, right? It's just the same killer, same scenario, different set of teenagers or, or whatever the case may be. And so, mm. and, and it's just kind of clever, the, the, the jigsaw puzzle nature of it, right? This sort of reflexive idea of you're going to get new pieces that are going to change and alter your perception of the entire picture. Um, I, I, I really dig that. And it's a double-edged sword for the franchise because it means every subsequent film is impossible to understand unless you've been following along, which is why they just have diminishing returns after every sequel. Um, but for a fan who's stuck with it all this time, um, it's just sort of a ripe terrain for fan service, right? You just plug in little things and you reference uh, characters who, you, you know, you've long since forgotten about and you think like, oh, You're talking about for the fun. sequels, for the sequels of this brand, like the, not this yeah, yeah, yeah. film specifically. Uh, th I mean, this one had a few little uh, fan servicey cameos and things like that, but it does. But I argue, like I, what I part of what I like is that it very much fits as a standalone entry in this series, but also it of I think it does a good job of avoiding being more like you know for being Saw X, the tenth entry in a franchise that's basically a cult property at this point. It could have easily cashed in on look at all these winks and nods we're making to the various sequels, and instead, it really comes down to. Here's some characters you you know, but like it's not going out of its way to be like, remember this part from Saw 4? Like it's it's really holding its own and trying to be its own. Right. I think that's I think that lends to why the film has been so uh critically praised. I mean, it's at like 80 something percent of Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's part of why like it's not it's not asking much of its audience to be like, you've got to remember all this, or you you'll be more impressed if you remember this and that. I think it's doing its own thing for a lot of it. Totally agree. It's sort of a an adjacent narrative mm -hmm. it does throw in sort of you know cameos and things that um you know make you understand where this kind of occurs within the larger narrative which i appreciated but you're right it doesn't depend on that and even those I, they they'll feel like rewards for for the movie it's like it earns those moments as i would say as opposed yeah. to saying here it is because why not right um it's not the flash in that regard yeah <laughs> uh, it, it's um I don't know how standalone it really is because I I don't really think you're going to be in a well situated to understand the stakes of everything going on unless Fair. you're. I, I'm not saying you you can walk into this having not seen any Saw movie, but I. Yeah, it, but, yeah I mean, this yeah. takes place between one and two, but the correct sequence is not uh, one X two yeah. three four five right clearly. But I mean, uh, that'd be, I mean, well, yeah, based on well, based on like a post credit scene that oh, I guess two also yeah okay so sure yeah never mind whatever i'll drop it. i mean i mean they're making big choices right or what, what are big choices within the the aesthetics of the franchise which is they don't do that like rapid crazy editing yeah like they've abandoned that completely i thought that was to its benefit mm -hmm. um, i thought it was just actually fascinating to see kramer and amanda at work which is not something we've seen in much detail before it's just usually the game is already underway which is um, part of why three i like so much because it's a lot of that there is a lot of the inner machinations of it even though jigsaw's still like trying to pull one over on everybody in that movie um i can see people complaining that the gore is a little scaled back at times in x i might echo that in particular the finale isn't like a giant set piece that's a, sure isn't, okay it isn't, uh, impressive uh as much which and this brings me to what I, I find most fascinating and this ties to the sort of 
the kind of gimmicky, let's have the narrative circle back on each other, which is not fully present here, but it may be if they make subsequent films. The the lack of uh, pizzazz in the finale of this film is maybe permissible if you allow that they are likely setting up the next film. And this is where, you know, we may be getting into some spoiler territory. Um, mm -hmm. If indeed that is what they're doing, um, it would point to what I found to be the most intriguing thing they've done with this film, um, which is to introduce a potential new villain. Mm. Um, so hopefully, like, we can get into that. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, I see where you're going with that. Because that's a question I had as far as oh, how I have, things play out. I have okay. thoughts. And so, so you're right, this film isn't, um, it doesn't have that single-minded obsession that some of the other films do to say like, oh, no, no, we're going to go back to that two-hour gap that existed between parts four and five, and we're going to tell a whole different story, and you're going to rethink everything. Mm -hmm. This movie is not about that, but that's the kind of stuff that could come in subsequent films. Mm -hmm. they're, I think they're heading toward developing some new new lore here. So I have but, some predictions. Well, given the successful nature of this film, it'd be, it'd be, it'll be nice to see how that plays out. Um with that in mind, before we kind of get further into that area, because yes, that is more like ending spoiler talk or what have you, it, I, to to address your thoughts on like the gore quotient uh, in this film and what it's doing with traps in it. For one, first off, did you like the traps in general in this film? Um, <laughs> yes, I think. Um, some quibbles. Well, okay. So here's the thing about okay. the traps. Um, these traps are so unfair. I mean, three minutes? Are you kidding me? See, here's the thing. I don't think the traps are unfair. I think the time is the, the time is to it's it's the time. Yeah, it's 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 unfair of how long they have to accomplish said goals. But I do think the traps themselves are pretty clever. Like what's far as yeah, what's required so of them. You and I talk a lot about the the quote unquote good kill, right? Uh -huh. And it's always been interesting. Um, or yeah, even just kind of different about the Saw films in general is that a good kill for the audience and, and the pleasure they get out of it doesn't necessarily have to be a kill because sometimes it's the surviving that's more viscerally gross and gruesome. Um, but this one really leans into having your cake and eating it too. It very much element, does. Yeah, yeah which yeah. it's an element that pops up throughout the series, which is to have the victim go through the ordeal of hacking off whatever or breaking their bones or whatever. But then they get killed anyway because they run out of time and they, they can't beat the clock. And this one is maybe just the worst offender of all because you have characters who they do fully commit mm -hmm. and actually complete the task at great personal injury. But then there's like an aggravating slow measuring cup element to it <laughs> that does them in at the end and it's i wanted to call foul on that i can't I be based on john's own agenda yeah like i well that because that but it, it, you it's, absolutely deserve to like by the logic of this trap you, you deserve to go but then it's like no, the thing just the scale didn't move fast enough but it's also like well i mean john's also he, i mean he is a crazy person <laughs> I mean, this is like there's the I'm using right. that term loosely. There's other ways we could associate with things we could associate him to, but I mean, it's it's hard to be like, well, the the serial killer wasn't fair enough <laughs> in the overall scheme of things. But like, yes, if you want to go by like what his method is and his logic, it's like, I mean, if if you're trying to impart some lesson, which is your 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 thing as Jigsaw, they did like they did the thing accomplished, like you said, they at least two of them do the thing that they're supposed to do and 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 would be completely fine if not for yes some kind of third outside element that they have no control over 
except for the fact that they didn't wrap their head around having to do extreme surgery within the first minute fast enough in order to have enough time left over for them yeah. to complete said task. So it's like, yeah, that sucks. We got to see all this, but then the move, like by movie rules, you're like, well, obviously the audience wants to see this person's whatever be chopped off or whatever the hell. And so it's like, well, let's show, let's show what that, let's show what that looks like. So it's like, I, I could, I had fun with that as far as, well, I'm seeing the thing. Like that's, that's fine. But also, uh, John, I mean, come on. What do they not do here? Come on. <laughs> come um, on, John. Let's, like go. Let's be real here, John. <laughs> um, you know, it, ju it just occurred to me, so I'm just kind of thinking this through, but there is something, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like there's something kind of unfair about Amanda surviving her reverse bear trap. Mm -hmm. because he helps her out in a way that I don't think he does for any other character. Um, like, I'm maybe I'm just thinking like a university instructor, and I know how badly students can go astray on an assignment if if the instructions aren't very clear and precise, mm -hmm. uh, and, and if you don't confirm their understanding ahead of time. But what feels really uncool about your basic saw trap is that you have people, they, they wake up strapped to a chair, they're disoriented and confused and panicked, and then this like weird puppet comes out and says, hey, you got to do this and you got to stab this and you have to slice this off. Oh, by the way, you have 60 seconds. Good luck. Um, I think it would be completely reasonable for someone to be like, wait, what? Sorry, where am I? Okay, can you explain that again? Wait, what happens if I do this? Sorry, I was hyperventilating and I didn't catch that first part. Could you repeat that? Right. And so on. Amanda's reverse bear trap is different. Do you know why? He gives an example. He shows her a video, Right unless i'm misremembering something that's the only trap in which there's video playback that takes a second to demonstrate what the trap you're in does and so like he goes here let me show you and then like the reverse bear trap explodes a mannequin head right mm -hmm. that seems to stack the deck in her favor in a way that he doesn't accord anybody else i mean but, i don't i don't know what the timeline of all these i, I... <laughs> For one thing, this is commenting on a different movie. Uh, so I don't know what this applies to. But I well, it applies to Amanda's a, mo um, a movie I didn't like. Um, so like I mean, I hear you. Uh, but I you know, you, I could chalk that up to it was earlier in his time as a career of doing this. Um, and he was trying to test like what makes the most sense for how I should do these games. Maybe he just saw something in Amanda that he's like, if I do this right, I think I could make her uh, join my cause here. I I think there's un I think there's unknown variables as to why he treats her with a certain or maybe who knows maybe maybe we'll find out in Saw X two two that she was his uh, secret daughter from like a sperm donation the whole time or something I don't know like what <laughs> who knows it, it with this franchise it would be interesting if there was any sort of visible evolution in his traps he's like yeah my first few were like pretty crude I was just kind of you know. Don't we uh, get that? Is it doesn't like doesn't um Jigsaw doesn't that don't we see like his first trap in that movie or something? Wasn't that like part of the gimmick of that film? Is it? But they're still pretty elaborate, right? The, the most they, they of, very much are. Yes, <laughs> I think the, the the first official trap that he creates is um is it in five? There's a junkie who acts. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, we get yeah we get a flashback it. in the face. Yeah. Which is pretty rudimentary, and then and then they become like full on industrial. Well, yeah, like, like, I mean, by three he has a pig slaughtering conveyor belt. <laughs> well, in this one, he's like, yeah, this and is the just co the co the cops. Of these are never like, 
Maybe we should trace like who's buying up bulk bulk of supply of spinning blades, pig carcasses, and everything else. You sound stupid, officer. Hold on here. We're, and we'll in this one, he's like at a chemical factory in Mexico, and he's, he's like, so well, industrious in how he gets everything going. I'm here. Completely retrofit this for my purposes. <laughs> Just me and Amanda, we know what we're doing. We know what like, and we're, and we're taking trips back and forth across, platforms. taking trips back and forth across the border to make sure this works. Yeah. And everything. Like who's your supplier? Like, <laughs> like giant platforms and pulley systems. Like nicely done. Well, the factory just had all that stuff. He just needed like some things to graft it together. That's what's going on. Oh yeah, we just they just have. I mean, they already had the medical tools because that was this whole sham place, right? So they had all that for him. All right, let's just get giant buckets of blood that like just spray through nozzles. Like they're in Mexico. Completely. That's coming hand over foot over there. Literally, is it? I, I suppose. I don't know. In this That's version, sad. in this version of Mexico, where the second John crosses the border, they put on the third world filter, uh, like right away. Like he's, he's in like blue, sunny sky America. The second they get to Mexico, it's like it's yellow down. I'm like, oh, come on, movie, like, really? Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I can get you buckets of blood. What do you need? I can get you a toe with nail polish. Yeah. <laughs> I like the traps of this movie. By the way, I thought they were clever. Um, I, you know, regardless of like how, how fair the murderer was to his to the to the revenge victims he picked up, not even just like people that were helpless, but people that wronged him. So he's even more inclined to see them die. Um, regardless I, I want to talk about that too. But regardless of that aspect, I did like the. I thought the traps were clever. The various ones you get one mm -hmm. where it's like you got to give yourself brain surgery because why not? You one you got to cut your leg off, like. I, I, yeah i was i was it was enough where i'm like I'm, you know saw movies aren't like scary to me but the, you know they certainly you can squirm a bit because you're like well that sucks like i don't want to deal with that so like this one this one had me at like a few squirms like th through the movie uh so i appreciated that i can agree that yes by the end of it you're you, know, you generally expect something a bit bigger and it's not really that whether that factors into like where we go from here we shall see. But yeah, it kind of stack. I think, yeah, I think it front loads the traps a little bit more than normal. The the one trap we have that, that's kind of apart from the main narrative is one in the beginning, the eyeball gag. The imaginary trap. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's so clearly a producer's note, right? Because they're like going through the script going, hey, you've got like 25 pages where no one gets no one gets trapped. So yeah. add something. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a disappointment only in that it bears no relevance to anything. Um uh, you know, it's just kind of tossed in. But what you get is what I found to be just like a really amusing dynamic of Kramer just fantasizing. Uh -huh. It made me really want a scene in which he's just going about his day, observing the petty little things people do and daydreaming about what bespoke trap he's going to engineer for them. And you, um, you, you almost get that when he's like, He's out of he's like fresh out of his surgery or whatever, right? And he's like draw he's just doing his daily doodles in his diary, and it's like, here's a trap. And he's like, oh, never mind. I feel great now. And he rips it out of the page and throws it away. There's a there's a funnier version of this film in which Jigsaw just walks around town noticing petty behavior all uh -huh. around. Like it's like the it's like Unbreakable, where Bruce Willis is at the train station, except it's Jigsaw imagining the murder yeah, dance for everybody. It's just, there's something amusing about this, like essentially grumpy old man sitting in a cafe, glaring at people whose behavior he disapproves of, and just uh -huh. silently stewing over how he'd like to torture those teenagers on skateboards because they're making too much noise or whatever. You know, you um, say this about. I also would say this is the funniest Saw movie. I would think, in, 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 intentionally so too. Like obviously, there's always 
some unintentional unintentional humor, but I think this is the most intentionally funny Saw movie of of the of the ten. Yeah, and I mean, th- there was definitely a point in which I started wondering, like, is this really funny, or am I imagining it? I mean, not in the sense that they're delivering jokes, or yeah, even, it's, like, yeah, it's not one liners, but it's like there's a macabre humor laced within this thing that seemed to stick out more than average. Because well, there's one scene of genuine dark humor that I, I I guess I don't want to give away, but it culminates in the line, we have a rope. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> no notes. No notes. Amazing. Um, That's yeah. where I, I figured out what that scene was doing like a good five seconds before the rest of the audience. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was laughing to myself out loud. <laughs> they started doing the thing like, okay. There's also something funny about that. So the doctor, the female doctor character who is essentially the the main villain of the film because Kramer is kind of repositioned as as our, yeah. our protagonist in this film um I don't know maybe it's because she's European but her performance for me spilled so much into camp yes. um her colleagues I guess I should say her uh co-criminals co-conspirators are being tortured and they're going through their games she keeps like berating them from the sidelines <laughs> like do it do it faster you know do it pussy it's got a, lot, a lot of tough love on her end yes it's just, it's so campy and funny, and um, yeah, I'm all for it. No, I agree. I this supporting cast that we get here, I think they, I think there's a good enough like mix of kinds of people that you have to work with as far as John Kramer is concerned. Where you have like a junkie, you have the overconfident person, you have the the kind of the the screaming man. <laughs> I think we always get one of those in the movie. <laughs> And then there's like the, you know, the, if I get out of here, I'm going to kill you person. Uh, like I, I, I like the, given that there's, you know, a ultimately a smaller focus because it's such a kind of closed off movie compared to the other ones. There's not, you know, there's not a detective subplot for like the first time in this movie. There's not a side, there's not a side narrative at all going on. It's very much a straightforward linear movie about John and what he's doing. So you, so like, there's usually like an override, like an, an overriding um, jigsaw plot going on, right? Whether it's the bathroom or everybody's in a haunted house in Saw 2. It's not haunted, but, you know, uh, more like Jeff is going through all the stuff in Saw 3. Like there's usually like one main like trap narrative. I like I like what this one was where it's like, okay, John has limited means, even though he has unlimited means to make a factory into a chamber for people. So like, all right, I'll tie four of them up into different corners and do what I can. I think that worked in the film's favor as far as presenting a you know a diversity of characters as well as like the traps they go through like i just it's well done like i think there's there's like you're saying there's thought i think that went into this as far as what can we do that's you know familiar but still fresh for the franchise i I think that's that's there in place and also i mean just one 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 more note about the absurdity of it all Uh uh, i mean i've been i mean to your point i've been sort of calling this to myself saw bts (laughs) <laughs> because we get such a good look at just their work. I mean, the last one I've been calling Saw BLM for its themes, but uh, Saw BTS because it places such focus on Jigsaw, like overseeing the traps himself, right? Yeah. And then supervising their execution, mm-hmm. not from the shadows like he does in the previous films, but in full view of the victims. But what makes that kind of hilarious is that he's at the same time so precise and insistent and inflexible about his methodology that he demands you play the cassette tapes he's provided. Yes. <laughs> Even though he could explain the rules. He gets to say it over the speaker. But he's like, I have tapes. I made tapes. For someone who's so, who's known for his absolute precision, you're also being awfully impractical. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, there, there's an interesting dynamic in that all the other films, he's meticulously, he's also like a master of psychology, right? Human yeah. psychology. <laughs> yes, about things. Yeah. Oh, I've anticipated that miles in advance. He's, you know, he's playing like six dimensional chess. But this is the first one in which he didn't have a plan going in. Yeah. This is a bit more... It's a little more improv on his part. He's kind of been like, backed into this one a little bit more. I mean, obviously the 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 meticulous planning is still there because it is a a Kramer project. But at the same time, like the fact that he is sort of kind of going with the flow because I came to Mexico not realizing I'd have to like do this before I leave. <laughs> and so as a result, you start to see the cracks and little inconsistencies in his behavior that that I think an uncharitable view of that would be like, yeah, these are plot holes. This makes no sense. But I think the charitable view is like, no, there's an element of absurdity and humor to this that we haven't seen before. And maybe that's like saw fatigue and like, no, I need to kind of start re recoding this as comedy for me to keep enjoying these. But to the extent to which it's uh, uh, unintentional camp versus unintentional camp that emerges from the natural absurdity of the premise versus something that the filmmakers are completely in on is maybe arguable at times, but I think it works, and and that's something that I'd like them to keep tonally if they if they make more. I think the writing's there, honestly, to show for it. As far as not necessarily like anticipating every laugh that might gener be generated out of this film, but I mean, I certainly think it's knowing as far as what John is capable of versus what he's like you've said been backed into, and making a movie like this, making another Saw movie, especially now where you're you know you're still doing a very two thousand industrial heavy you know heavy horror type of thing th that i think that automatically generates camp just because you know these performances in order to maintain a level of <laughs> heightenedness and the um i don't know just your endorphins acting over time because of like the situations people have been trapped into that's going to lead to a lot of bigness in the performances in general so you kind of have to i think give wiggle room to that yeah it's not always going to be like super serious uh, in the audience's viewpoint to watch these things take place. On top of that, yeah, then you have the you know the John out the you know the Kramer the jigsaw element of it all. And no, I I I do think that there's, I think they've studied this enough in, within this franchise, the writers involved and and Kevin Garot Gratur the 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 director who's. What was he? Wasn't he like he was editor on the first five, and then he directed six and three D. Um, yeah, yeah. He's back in the fold, basically. Yeah, I, I, I hesitate to think that they're playing it by ear in that regard. I think there's enough there. With regard to like wink and nod, uh, intentional humor. Um, what there was a moment. I'm curious what you made of it when Amanda says. She's talking to one of the soon to be victims and says like, oh, yeah, he 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 gives really vague instructions. He does yeah. that sometimes. Mm -hmm. There's some line like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering whether that teetered a little too much into like wink, wink. We're actually poking fun at ourselves. Um, like another line that very well could have been is like if Amanda was something like, where did you even get all this stuff? She doesn't say that, but that's the kind of line that would be funny and the the humor the nature of the humor would be the audience would recognize oh the movie is aware of how absurd some of these questions that we've been asking for years have been but at the same time the downside would be that would be a little too wink wink a little too on the nose and i'm wondering how you would feel if lines like that started emerging in in the saw films well what I, was, 
what I was going to say is I, I am thankful that it's minimized in this film at the least, because I do think that, yes, that I wouldn't say I was taken out by that and other like mild moments of self-awareness. But I do think I don't want this series to start angling that way. I don't that's not going to help anything. I do think that there's yeah. been a pretty con- regardless how much I like any of these movies. I think their tone is pretty consistent for those that like initial seven. I can't I, can't, I just can't think of Jigsaw and Spiral clearly enough to know if that was if that is held, although those are still serious movies, even with all of that comedy that Rock refused to do in Spiral. Um, but Apart yeah, like, from the tech five he does on Forrest Gump at the yeah, beginning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That opens the movie, right? That's the thing. Um, but no, like I, I would agree. It's like I don't want I don't want this to go that way. And my question back to you is how do you think Shawnee Smith is in this movie? Because I've heard some people saying she's the MVP, and I'm looking at it thinking, she's okay. I would I don't I wouldn't write home about what she's doing in this. But I think I think Tobin I think Tobin Bell's top of this game here. I think he's doing the job, but so I agree with you that I, I would hate for this to kind of slip into self-parody um, in any way. Uh, I thought Amanda, I think I want to see more Amanda if they if they keep going, because I think that's I think we're, we're a bit crammered out at this point. And I think let me let me let me go. Are back we? I mean, we've gotten like he's we've gotten so Wait, little so here. Here. Here's what I mean. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before. I'm pretty sure that. Kramer's moral code is basically bullshit. Yes. Right? There's no sense of, of what's the word, proportionality between the people he selects as victims. I mean, some of them are genuinely harming other people and need to be taught a lesson, quote unquote, um, like the medical insurance guy in six, right? Yeah. Um, We're watching the first one yesterday. I'm just like, wait, Carrie Elwes' crime is not going through with an affair and not saying warm enough platitudes to his patients? Like, that's... <laughs> and also, like... Lee one else character is it Adam? Yeah, he's like he has you a job. <laughs> doesn't say, doesn't his cassette tape basically say, Adam, you've spent your whole life watching other people because he's a photographer. Uh, but when's the last time you truly looked at yourself? I'm like, what? That's maybe that's none of your goddamn business, Jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, uh, some some of the some of the lessons are like you didn't tip your server enough, or you you, <laughs> you microwave tuna in the office. Um, it's really arbitrary. And so so what I think is intriguing, and this is going to get to your Amanda question, what's intriguing about this one is that we've done away with that kind of fuzzy moralizing. And now mm-hmm. we have an actual group of wrongdoers who are getting what's coming to them. Sure. So they've committed actual crimes, not vague moral offenses. And what's fascinating about that is that this film is not about Jigsaw enacting his weird morality it's about him seeking revenge and there's an ambiguity there between righteous retribution versus personal grievance Mm -hmm. and as in he's framing this as about a chance for these people to redeem themselves but he also just wants payback he's retribute he's retrofitted his own logic on top of what he actually wants yes so i think that provides some interesting new data points for considering more carefully what motivates kramer and are there hints so, so there are hints of characters like Amanda who are aware that there's something deeply inconsistent and hypocritical about him doing this in this film. It do, it doesn't quite do enough of that for my for my taste in the film. But Amanda does have some moments of self doubt, which we know become really important later if we know the narrative. They don't have too much impact in this film, <laughs> but with some smart consideration, I can see the series 
moving forward in this vein, because I think there's really good stuff to mine here. This sort of because I was caught by surprise how inward looking this one was. I'm inward looking for a saw film. But if they're willing to go in this direction, I think that's my prescription for where I think the most dramatic potential is because I'm really intrigued by the question of, um, you know, I think I think there's a very welcome emphasis forthcoming on whether Kramer's behavior invites a deeper set of questions about whether he is ultimately a hypocrite and why he's a hypocrite. And the most crucial question in that regard, since the entire point of this prequel narrative is to alter our perception of the events of the previous films, that's the saw method. The most crucial for question for me is whether this latent hypocrisy in how Kramer applies his morality is the reason Amanda eventually becomes disillusioned and eventually starts creating inescapable trap, which is a major point in part three. So there's like a classic father child i learned it by watching you element that i would be 100 down for in the next film to be all about amanda and her sort of downward journey into this much more bitter character that we know she becomes in part three long answer sorry but like that's no that's, that's fine i and i have things this i hear you and it'll be in, like given that this one was successful if they're going to make another one ideally they do it soon because John Tobin Bell is in his 80s and um, he's playing a 52 year old um, and, and this film is also not at all trying to hide the fact that these characters look the way they do they don't have um, de-aging money nor do they have money for backwards hats uh, to hide their appearances so they just look um, like they do which includes both um, Shawnee Smith who is playing younger than she was 20 years ago um at this point and uh and tobin bell who to his credit looks like a cancer patient as far as how they dressed him up but certainly less virile than he was again 20 years ago in this movie so i'll be curious if they keep going down this road if they if they if they increasingly care less that would be humorous to me but i don't know how effective on film that would play but regardless of that, because that's that's just aesthetics. That's neither here nor there. In terms of like the actual character arc and stuff goes, yeah, that sounds intriguing to me. I, I, how do you condense this into within the framework of these prequel stories that take place in between films? I don't know the Saw timeline super well, but I know this is what like this is supposed to be like a few weeks after Saw, Saw Two. I forget how long it takes place later on, but I guess like a year maybe. Saw yeah, three exact number of months or years between, but even then, like Jigsaw's not he's supposed to survive for like over more than a year, right? He has months to live. Like that's always been the thing with him, right? And Saw three is his last alive movie, so it's like I the and you've already implied like potentially there could be you know the reuse of certain characters in a future installment as well. So like if we did it, if we went on Amanda route, I would hope it would just be able to find focus, I guess is what I'm saying. It would be able to show that journey for her specific character while still having to balance this arc, but with that established in this movie, along with the arcs established in two and then leading into three, given that John has to be all over the place in order to handle these different plot lines and make that somehow work still. I'll be curious, like how it's able to pull that off. That said, I'm not above thinking that they don't have the ambition to do this because that's been the Saw franchise's whole thing, right? The balancing variety of different continuities to make these elaborate 
plays that are as just as intriguing as the traps themselves are. It's not just that we have the horror element and the gore, but we also have these ridiculous timelines that would make like comic books blush by nature of how many things are crossing over between each other. Yeah, I mean, I as indelicate as it is to say out loud, I think the writers must be having conversations about like it, it insofar as there's potential for like not a full spin-off or anything. I don't mm-hmm. think you can go like full spiral, but to, to place some emphasis on Amanda and kind of pass the torch in, in, in some form or another is also a way to mitigate the risk of losing Tobin Bell at some point. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he is in his 80s and it shows. Um, but but along those lines, there's another thing as well, which is Saw is always doing a couple things, right? There's this continuing saga, which focuses on John Kramer and then his eventual apprentices and all the rest. And But then there's the film by film narratives that are somewhat contained that focus on characters having to go through a series of games. And so those stories are structured around individual traps, but and therefore those films are assessed by how gruesome they are on a case-by-case basis. But the overarching jigsaw narrative, I always found kind of compelling over time because it eventually stops becoming about jigsaw. And at least momentarily, it starts to become about the the petty power struggle between Amanda and Hoffman, Hoffman yeah. who is not... Uh, really a featured character in this film but but this question of who gets to continue jigsaw's legacy and what's the correct way to do so and all the infighting and backstabbing between them that dynamic was always interesting to me and so since this is a prequel it means we're necessarily filling in the details that ought to inform or plant the seeds for what we know to be the eventual rupture between these characters and so if that's done smartly in subsequent films and if that's done carefully that could be quite the gold star and what the Saw films always try to achieve, which is to provide a piece of a puzzle that deepens or alters what you thought you understood was going on. And seriously, now that they've dangled actual character development in front of me, I'm realizing I love this and want that way more than I want elaborate traps at this point if they if they go with the Saw 11, 12, etc. No, I agree. And that's a lot of why I like this movie, like watching this whole, you know, it's a it gives you a lot of time to spend with jigs with 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 Kramer before he like he actually has to do anything that's you know horrific, and the fact that I was compelled by that to the amount that I was, and even then like you're saying the scenes of just jigsaw Amanda like you know before the traps are going just just them working behind the scenes, it's good like it's well done like it it provides the, and those are the scenes with Amanda I think work well, um, it's so like yeah like I. It, if there's future installments that angle more that way or at least continue to balance that with the, you know, the, the horrible stuff that goes on. Cool. Like I'm that, like I, you show me, you can do that. Show me, you can do it again. And yes, with this added element that regardless of how much it ties into the saw, you know, the entire saw franchise holds on to yes, these core elements that do seem intriguing. I'm down with that. I'm good. I'm good to see that happen. Yeah, I think it's important for the series and its writers to understand that what the, the eventual breakdown in trust and relationship between Kramer and Amanda is ultimately, it's meant to be understood as a tragic one. And so whatever little details and insights we get into the nature of their collaboration that we get in things like this need to set that up. And there needs to be an intimacy and a vulnerability between them, which I think you really get here, right? There's some really tender, there's real tenderness in this film between Kramer and Amanda that isn't fully fleshed out because this movie isn't allowing enough scenes to really get deep into that. But that's, that's territory that um, can be explored a lot, I think. 
We certainly get the hints at it just by nature of Amanda feeling sympathy for one of the victims or the potential right. one of the host what do you call them hostages like whatever they are um amanda's a, a recovering junkie so she understands and empathizes right and so yeah and i and you see her both doing what she can not necessarily do help but like you know make it easier on her at the same time you see john seeing her doing that as well like and that i do think it's i think that is planting seeds as far as the potential of that if if we are if if we are intended indeed to go down that route which seems like a logical way to go if you're going to keep making these at this point we we are doing like fan fiction right now a little bit but but the the kind of shades of gray in the morality there is interesting because it's not like Amanda's a bit softer and she thinks like, no, maybe this person doesn't deserve it. And Kramer's like, yes, yes, she absolutely does. It's like, no, Kramer is also an empathetic person, or at least he thinks he is. Um, his his MO is entirely built around empathy and and um optimism for the human spirit, I guess, in a way. And Amanda He says this. <laughs> he says this, but that's the underground, that, that's the undergirding philosophy, but I, mean, little... I think if he really meant that, he'd give more than three minutes. But yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, like, like four. Yeah. Uh, four. four would work. <laughs> I do have one um, prediction or one. It's not even a prediction. It's It seems like just mathematical necessity. Mm -hmm. um, Saw as a series always gives itself so much flexibility to address its own plot holes and inconsistencies that pop up. Okay. And some of them probably even slip past the writers, but have been brought up by um, overly attentive fans and, and, and that community. And so the structure of like going back and doing timeline switches and things is also an opportunity to like plug the plot holes that have come up in older films. Um, so the whole series is like a retcon machine, right? And so one prediction I have is that there is one character who survives his trap. It involves like bombs attached to his arms, right? Yeah. It stands to reason that he will become a new apprentice at some point because Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense for him not to alert the authorities to Kramer's identity, which he's fully aware of. Yeah, but we don't anyway. even we don't get much follow up as far as where he goes from there. But. Yeah, I mean, it, I, this is not a character we need to have reemerge, but based on the logic of the series and what we know versus what's likely to happen, that does seem to kind of click into place. So. <clears throat> Fair enough. Um, and we talk yeah. about the uh, the villain of this. I was about to say, OK, so let's. Let's say now that if you haven't seen Saw X and you intend to, uh, we're going to get into more spoilery territory. So if you feel like stopping, uh, feel free to do so. And then come right back to this podcast to finish it off. Uh, but yeah, to, to let's get into more of the uh, Cecilia, Dr. Cecilia Pedersen uh, character, who, yes, is the kind of the mastermind of this whole scheme that has conned a lot of people out of like money in favor of like experimental work in Mexico and what have you. Um I, I I did I I liked how much it stacked the deck higher and higher as far as how evil she was. <laughs> like I didn't I I didn't necessarily not see that coming, but at the same time, like, well, you just <laughs> you're giving me as an audience member like no real reason to like have any reason to not root for John at this point, which is which is clever since like well, I shouldn't root for Jigsaw, but like well here we are, and like it's not only just revenge anymore now it's like uh, john's this is good for everybody that john's doing this she's so cartoonishly evil mm -hmm. that if this was a standalone project it doesn't really make any sense um for the genre anyway let alone a soft film 
the fact that, and this is the major spoiler, she survives, right? It, it doesn't end with a big, um, calamitous, disgusting, gruesome, grotesque uh, 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 send-off, which would justify her villainy, but nor, she's lived, which is the nor, biggest... Nor does it end with like a, you know, John says like game over and she's just screaming in the dark or oh. something. And it's like, no, she's... By the time we leave, she's still... That's what got me the most, too, that this is like a fade to white ending. Like, oh, we're done? <laughs> like, that's it? <laughs> the sunlight and everything's yeah. good. I'm happy family. It's like he has yeah. he has a surrogate child now. <laughs> Which is why it's arguably parody, right? But but so if if there are no more Saw films forthcoming, then that is a quite an anticlimax in a way. But if there's more coming, then it would stand to reason that she is the new villain which I really dig as an idea. It, I mean, if she is permitted to live, then we are owed explanations as to why she stays silent about Jigsaw's identity. And, you know, like we, we need to account for why we've never well, heard of I, I assume she'd just die between now and Saw 3 would be my thoughts on that, too. which makes has to make some sense because Jigsaw's not going to be around for her to be a villain anymore. Well, I guess, well, no, Amanda dies too in Saw 3, right? So, no, so, so Dr. Peterson does have a limited shelf life because- yeah. But but just imagine, like, let's say two more films, right, Com comprising a small sure. inner trilogy. Mini trilogy, yeah. Mini trilogy, during which Kramer battles this new character. Like, her mm -hmm. having hunt for hunt Jigsaw for revenge after the events yeah. of this. Fuck, take my money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that that is, that'd be a clever conceit, which once again is humors me as far as like the idea of jigsaw like sitting in a room with donnie Wahlberg, being like i'm going to talk to you about things very seriously and calmly and then the back of his mind is like fucking peterson's after me <laughs> like... <laughs> that's an exciting development to have jigsaw meet his match like someone who is just as intelligent and just as ruthless mm. um and they're also good foils for each other and I, and i really did think about this because his mo as like twisted as it is, is to feel good about himself ostensibly by giving people a chance to renew their lease on life and to come out of this ordeal that he's orchestrated with a greater sense of purpose and optimism and hope, right? Mm -hmm. Her MO is to profit personally from taking that hope away. Yeah. So he puts you through hell, hopefully to come out stronger on the other side, but she does essentially the opposite, which is to give you mm -hmm. strength and hope, but then leave you completely weakened more so than you were when you came in. Mm -hmm. And I love that dynamic. It's completely simplistic, but it introduces a, shall we say, a new moral framework within the already kind of convoluted moral chaos of the Saw universe in ways that I think could be really fascinating moving forward. And, and if, if they indeed choose to lean into this, which I, I hope they do, because that's that's fresh. It's new. It's um, yeah, it's it's something we haven't seen before. The The main question I had, and this is like ridiculous anyway, but <laughs> I, I guess I just don't get criminals sometimes in movie logic where I'm like, she has a really fancy house with like secure like, and she's still doing this. Like, this is her thing. Like, she's just robbing people of like quarter million dollars at a time. I, it, it, she seems to have been doing it long enough for it to be reasonable to think that someone online would have mentioned it. It's like, hey, I got scammed by this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's kept this going and she has everything she needs and yet she's like oh, you know let me do my own mexico she's like and she and she's the, what the daughter of an actual doctor who's doing stuff in sweden I, that the idea like change her identity as she moves from city to city right so yeah, she has an elaborate website with her face on it 
but this is two. But this is two thousand four before we had more face matching technology to, yeah, to you capture you. Hold on their phones. What, yeah. what year? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um. Uh, what else? From a narrative standpoint, from just like a, a charismatic villain standpoint, but also from the kind of tricky moral questions that are kind of latent to the soft films that you don't even have to engage with if you're just in it for the gore. But on that level, like the introduction of a villain who mm-hmm. is now like going toe to toe with Jigsaw for a couple films before she's inevitably kind of like dispatched uh, is, I think, a really intriguing direction. And well, yeah, especially because you have Jigsaw involved where before like the only I mean, beyond the is the Amanda Hoffman thing that didn't take too much time. But like you had Hoffman and what Scott Patterson. And he was such a board of wood where it's like, this isn't really fun to watch what the, you know, these two try to like have a cat and mouse game going between each other. So like, yeah, having, you know, the true blue jigsaw involved in this, that's yeah, I agree with you. I like if That's the way we're going as far as building, you know, more of a narrative off of this specific little timeline within between everything. Give it. Yeah. Bring it on. Let's, let's see what, let's see what they do and somehow also wrap in, you know, six other characters that have to have games happen to them during all this. Yeah, I mean, it's possible because you're right that if Jigsaw has X number of months to live, then uh-huh. how, how is he packing in all how, the... Events? How is he doing a Saw 2 and on the side doing like oh, this yeah. other thing? Uh, and, and also, I mean, Saw 4, the big twist in Saw 4 is that the oh, yeah. events of Saw 4, which we believe were happening subsequent to the events of Saw 3, are actually happening concurrently uh, with... Parallel. Right. So like there's a lot going on. But I mean, it's possible that that the introduction of this new character who is a doctor might introduce narrative developments that account for why Kramer's life is prolonged, because she does say like, hey, listen, I'm a criminal, but my dad's research is legit. Mm -hmm. Like maybe there's some way to prolong this. Um, I don't know. but I do like the idea, and because the 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 twist, the narrative switcheroo of Saw Four to have things occurring concurrently is such is such an intriguing idea. I think that leads to possibly interesting ideas in terms of yeah, the events of Saw Two and Saw Three were occurring simultaneously to this whole other thing with this vengeful doctor. Now, if that ends up being like oh yeah, there's this other thing going on, then it just becomes too crowded. But there, if there's some clever screenwriting way to have the events of those new developments this cat and mouse game with the new doctor villain kind of interweaving with the events of what we thought we knew was going on in two and three like i i would i'd be so happy aaron i'd be so happy you gotta be even more actors from these saw movies playing exactly the age they are now from 20 years ago um (laughs) dina myers coming in (laughs) bring back dina um bring them all back bring back Riggs. I don't remember. He died. Murtaugh, please. Riggs is that racist on the Continental. Dude, bring back Walter. Bring back, bring back Donnie. Yeah, just still, 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 still still hanging up with the ice blocks. Have have uh, the Saw Eleven take place entirely with him hanging with uh, hanging from that thing with the ice blocks, and that's all he does in the movie. Um, anything else on Saw X we haven't talked about? We, that we've turned over all the stones. This is quite the elaborate ruse that they had to pull off. They got so they so so they have Michael Beach come in, put on a fake scar in his belly, 
and like randomly find John and be like, hey, who I guess they must have researched, right? So they had to research Jigsaw. They had to research jo- did she know that he would she didn't know he was Jigsaw until they actually No, she pieces that together. I think his whole scheme is I go to cancer support groups and I scope out who looks desperate, who looks really terminal and has and who, money. Who looks rich, right? Yeah. And now accidentally they saw Tobin Bell is like, oh white guy, residuals from various movies. Yeah, probably has a lot of money. Um <laughs> so they get him, finds him months later, shows him a scar in his belly, and is like, all right, go to this website. Jigsaw goes down a Google hole. Or sorry, he goes down a web search hole. There's no Google at this time. Um, he goes to websearch.com. <laughs> finds first he no, finds the like net. There's like a Peter. Peterson... You're right. No, it's websearch.net. Yes, you're, you're right. He finds the doctor, the real doctor, first, and then he goes to the other website, finds her. Sends the old email across, gets the phone call. They lost this whole. And so during this time, they're setting up everything to make it go. Kind of sounds like Jigsaw or do that John Kramer had it coming, right? It's like, do, do you respond to the Nigerian Prince emails too, John Kramer? <laughs> like, how'd you fall for this shit? He had a guy on the scar in his belly come up to his table and say, like, look, I'm fine now. <laughs> that's, that's pretty convincing. <laughs> it's I Michael know. Beach. I believe him. <laughs> It's the, it was just a random a random actor. They got they got Wayne to exhale's Michael Beach here. <laughs> it's fine. So, I he goes to, so he goes to Mexico. He finds the the right cab driver is able to find him. Right? It's not well, like, they, like we're gonna we're gonna provide transportation. Provide transportation. Okay. Then the the cab driver shows him around and drives him off base. They kid for whatever reason they have to enact the kidnapping. Oh, because they because they couldn't show him the location. Right. But for some reason, they have to be very aggressive about it. For some, like they can't, they can't yeah, just weirdly aggressive. Like, they, they can't just attack. be like, "Here, we at, we're at this point. We have to blindfold you, so we, you know, to help us for security reasons. They have to be like, we're going to act the like we're, we're terrorists. Tell yeah. us your name. <laughs> we're going to act like this on purpose. I'm going <laughs> to like, have like a, a cardiac event before we get to there. Um, then the, the other, they, they get to that mansion that like. The second the scheme's over, the mansion's like immediately dilapidated. <laughs> like it's like it immediately looks terrible. Like right after they leave, but it before... suggests yeah, you just move from city to city. But yet you have this like really lavish all glass house. Yeah. Um, like, do you reside in Mexico or don't you? Also, they say like, yeah, we have the best surgeon, and one of the con artists is one who has like, I just got throat surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our surgeons are that good. It's like you know, not all surgeries require the same set of skills, right? Like. I'm the world's best uh, larynx surgeon. I'd be like, great, but don't work on my brain. I want someone who specializes in that. Yeah, I had a lot of questions that Kramer probably should have asked if he's such a brilliant engineer. Like they're playing on, (laughs) he's so whacked out of it, I guess, because they're playing on just like things he'll respond to. Like when they get into the procedure room that has like the x-ray device and everything, he gives like a little like, cool like yeah that's yeah, i also yeah. i also have makeshift things in my little warehouses that i have like he he's so like enamored by just the notion of this existing that he's letting a lot of stuff slip by him i mean that's why it's personal right it's like i can't i, I can't yeah, they fucked with me <laughs> they got me at my own game <laughs> yeah i mean i think like game recognizes game that's why the the new villain is oh that that's why she needs to be a, a villain that takes over the series for at least some portion of it because Game recognizes game. They're foils of each other. What what a shame to to introduce a character like that and then kill her off. I it's, say, but so here's the other thing. So the, this whole plot that Jigsaw has, which revolves around him 
like if the thing goes off about a hitch he knows that her boyfriend who's like who's like the guy that like pretended to have a third thing he knows he's gonna come is that the idea so that at the end they could he could wrap them both assuming he they didn't like pull it over on jigsaw even though he anticipated that they would be they would be the ones locked in this blood teeter-totter thing that they have going i I think the blood teeter-totter and for reasons i'm not entirely sure of i think the blood teeter-totter like they because he's a master of human psychology somehow he anticipated that that the the boyfriend character would pull the gun on them and everything and then him and amanda would be locked into the teeter-totter well yeah i know the boy is never like that's the one thing that's like that messes with the the plan a little bit but uh but is there there's a version of this where that doesn't happen, right? And that the that he just straps the boyfriend and her onto the table. I guess, but that by necessity means one of them is going to survive. Well, so does the yeah. other. So does the other room, right? Well, it's just it's it's not clear to me what the end game is here because, like, if you're if you're well, if, if only the, we had a cassette tape to play to hear what the blood eater talk. It's a test of will. It's like you're going to go through this ordeal. And it's like, well, then you shouldn't be creating a trap in which it is ostensibly feasible for one person to take all the punishment and the other person just be like, I survived. That was pretty easy. Um, So, yeah, it's a little it's a little unclear. Yeah, if I had to guess, I would say he was banking more on that he would. He and he and um, Amanda would probably be on the blood teeter totter, which is how we should officially refer to this trap: the blood teeter totter. Uh, I, 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 yes, I would say that was probably his more of what he expected to happen. But like, what if it didn't? That's what I'm like because it's like yeah, he certainly planned for that, right? To some degree. You you prefer calling it a blood teeter totter instead of what we essentially did, which is to seesaw. <laughs> a blood seesaw. That's more fun to say. You're right. It's uh, unclear why Kramer feels that. I mean, if that trap was intended as sort of a, a bait and switch to like Amanda, uh, you are going to go on this teeter totter. Um, and the Amanda is obviously kind of okay with this. Like, why do we need to do this? Do we need to like retest ourselves just to sharpen our knives every now and then to make sure that we're worthy of this? Or maybe that's something that could maybe explore. It's a so, weird trap because I agree. Like both the that and the 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 room with poisonous acid gas. Or whatever it is, I guess. As you as you do in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, those are both the, those are both like, well, they get the job done, I guess, but they're not that creative. <laughs> so yeah, that's why the last one is a letdown. But I mean, he does send Amanda into the trap house in two, right? So there is a sense of like, oh no, no, if you want to continue working with me every now and then, you are going to have to be strapped to a trap yourself. Um just yeah. to, with your worthiness from time to time, like you got to renew your license. Yeah, so all the more reason, I guess, to elaborate more on this relationship in a subsequent film. That makes a level of sense. I was a little confused by when we see Kramer, he's often seen doodling in his notebook as he yeah. comes up with trap uh-huh. ideas. Yeah. But one of the drawings that's featured prominently is of the reverse bear trap. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's probably just plopped in for fan service. Yes. But it did make me wonder, like, why are you tinkering with this? Because if this event occurs after Amanda has already survived the bear trap, then you've already built it. So why are you tinkering with that schematic unless that schematic is teasing an alternate version that's yet to come? But I wasn't quite sure why he would be focused on that. I, I think it's both a mix of fan service and an idea that he genuinely he loves Amanda. Like, you know, whether that's paternal or what have you, I think it's just more of 
he only has so much in his life that's not devoted to you know murder tortures i you know the one human connection that he truly feels he has i think is amanda so it's constantly on his mind so that's the kind of thing he'll draw that works with me yeah the one thing i mean this is so inconsequential because um you know this is not where the movie goes but as you know i don't watch trailers Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular for movies that I know I'm going to go see. So I was like, I don't want to know anything about this movie. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know. I knew it was a prequel because I knew Shawnee Smith was involved in everything, but I didn't know the exact placement in the timeline. And so, and I, of course, I didn't know that the surgery was all just basically a con until mm-hmm. it's re- not that it's like a brown mind blowing reveal or anything, but it, it did occur to me during the quote unquote surgery scene that, um, because the only trap that we see prior to this is in his head, right? Yeah. It's the guy with the eyeballs. So I thought, wouldn't it be funny is if he's someone who just occasionally has these murderous machinations, but isn't actually a killer, but they somehow botch the surgery and they like nick something in his brain and that's what turns him psychotic. I thought that would be really funny. But then it turns out there was no surgery. So I was like, oh, all right. I guess we'll just stick with his usual MO. Mm-hmm. I'll say as one that did watch the trailer, I was worried the trailer showed me too much because I'm like, they probably could not show me Amanda was back or anything like that. But like watching the whole thing, like, oh, actually, there were like there was enough going on where I'm like, it felt fresh and what have you. I I didn't feel like I was spoiled by knowing as much as I did. And even then, I still I still turn the trailer off. I think like a minute and a half. Like I I don't know why. When it comes to like main trailers, I tend to watch like the minute because they'll give you like the gist of it and then the rest is just like highlight reels from the rest like i go i don't need the rest of that um yeah. but this one i watched enough to be like it was like i know a lot about this movie already and that's odd for a soft film but no i think it had enough twists and turns going on to kind of keep it compelling without narratively being compromised they still won't touch the genitals <laughs> again like I, i'm pretty sure i brought this up before yeah yeah um, yeah but for a set of films that are like most instantly associated with the phrase torture porn. There's so little porn in Saw, right? Like Hostel begins as a sex comedy and then it turns into a horror film. Mm-hmm. And the Saw films have always shied away from sex, even while they scour for all these kind of new and creative ideas to harm the human body. It just, it never goes there. And I mean, the only nudity we've ever seen in the series remains the one time it's a completely non-sexual context, right? Which is the woman in the freezer. In yeah. Th- um, I mean, I'm not saying this is what I want. I, I'm not necessarily wishing for the series to go there, but it's just intrigues me that the series has lasted long enough that they're this is this this absence of like such an obvious squeamish thing for audiences to see, especially male audiences, right? Um, like a castration scene or something. Yeah, it's getting increasingly conspicuous. And if I had a chance to post some questions to the writers, like this would be among them because it seems like such a unusual allergy this series has particularly for like the genre that it's in. I, I, I hear you. I do think it speaks to the writers understanding certain limits. They, they feel are there, whether or not that's true. I do think the, it's the same thing I argued with you about um, on what was the last show that we did. I put the clip in from um, like dead children or whatever. (laughs) What movie were we talking about? Mm -hmm. Um, What? Talk to me. Talk to me. Yeah. Um, where I love, I love dead children. Yeah. <laughs> where I, it's if it, it's pure speculation, but it feels like it's a it's an attempt to know a certain limit as far as what's entertaining versus what's 
what's just too gruesome to handle. And I'm not saying that that's impossible because we've seen we've seen castrations in films um, that have been very entertaining, not the process of that itself, but the film in general. So it's like it's not beyond that to be possible. But it, it, does, just seems, it seems logical to me that there would be within the logic of the Saw universe, there would be someone who wakes up to a chair and then the cassette tape goes like, hello, John, so and so you are a serial sexual harasser. Mm -hmm. uh, you know tied to the me too movement and so for your game you're gonna have to cut off your balls or you're gonna get you know crushed by this giant juicer that i've created in this industrial uh kitchen or whatever right like that scene just hasn't come up and it's it's getting kind of conspicuous now i'm not saying i need that scene but oh, it, here it's it if anything i'm not saying this is a gendered way that that's the way to go but like Perhaps if there was a mix in who is writing and directing these films, there could be a, a, a you know a way to to pose it that direction just by nature of that is the you know a topic that would certainly come up more readily perhaps. Um, Lionsgate, Lionsgate, hire us. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll write the next one for you. And um, I think if this if this became a direct video series. I think it would factor in. I think I think removing a commercial aspect from it, you yeah. could then explore that more also as well. Or if it was even if it was just a streaming release, I think they, I think that would be coming to play perhaps more sooner rather than later. I mean, if we want to go full prequel, we could do a movie like John Kramer as a child, like torturing the school bully. You know, then, then, well, well, then we get Home Alone, right? Because there's that fan theory. Um, that he's uh, Kevin McAllister, but mm. but then we get the gore and we get, or rather, I get what I clearly crave: which is, uh, mutilate small children, horrible, horrible genital mutilation. Listen, I, I do want your readers to just just listen for a second. I do want them to be aware that um, uh, I am available to babysit. <laughs> Good. Just hit me up. I make sure to put that that uh, that website you created on the the show notes. <laughs> um, all right, I think we've talked plenty about SawX. Um, it's currently in theaters. It's making some money. Mike, when should people see this movie? Okay, okay, listen, everybody, go see this movie because Aaron and I need a Saw Eleven. Just, no, you know what? Forget Aaron. <laughs> listeners it's just you and me now okay i need a saw 11 what i don't need is another ghostbusters okay <laughs> all right um yeah i again as one that's you know fairly whatever on this franchise despite the fact that i've watched all of these and, and have plenty of knowledge about the series as a whole i thought this was one of the best ones um, and it's you know it's hot it's you know, there's no reason there's no time of year that is the most appropriate to see horror movies i think you can watch horror movies whatever but it's october and people tend to feel the need to watch more horror movies around this time and i say why not this is one of them go see it it's fun it uh it does the job in the realm of saw films it has enough intrigue as far as character work goes and the traps are cool so it's got that going for it. it's, it's it's october as of today so no yeah. excuses and uh you know pay your rent yeah <laughs> all right well well, with all that said, we've talked plenty about Saw X. Um, so thank you for that, Mike. 
Uh, yeah, see I, you at the next one. Exactly. I will say you can find me in plenty of places. I'm at thecodezeek.com is my website, and I'm on Twitter and PS4. This podcast is available everywhere. You can find podcasts and follow us on all the socials and everything like that. Uh, anything you'd like to plug, Mike? No, um, you can find me here, and if anything I say offends you, send your complaints to Aaron's PS4. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Um, all right, well, uh, it is October, as you just stated, and that does mean that we have our special annual horror bonus episodes throughout the month, which are always a lot of fun to record. Mike's actually on, going to be a, he's going to be on a couple of them uh, uh, this time around. Uh, we're going international this year. We are going over various countries and their relationship to horror each week in this month. Uh, with the exception of our final week, where we're going to have our commentary track for The Exorcist. Uh, but we're kicking things off with South Korea, South Korean horror. Um, so stay tuned for that as well, if you're interested in more opinions on horror from us. And, of course, there's archives and archives of all the horror episodes we've done in the past as well, as well as our previous Saw-themed episodes, which I'll probably put in the show notes for this as well. Uh, with all that said, Mike, thanks again for joining me for our Saw X discussion. Thanks, buddy. For sure. And that's going to do it for this bonus show. So until next time, so long and goodbye.